So today I have a super special guest on Diferente. I never really thought that this was going to happen, but I'm so excited to have my friend, Estefania Ramos. Stephanie, I don't know. What do you go by now these days? <laughs> Honestly, I just use Steph because I know this is probably like a good topic for your podcast. My name is technically Estefania, but I've been living in the U.S. for the last 20 years. So Steph, you know, it just makes it easier for everybody. <laughs> well, that's funny because I, I remember that when we were growing up, which we'll get into a little bit, you kind of introduced yourself as Steph. So that's oh. kind of been for a while. Like I knew you as, as Estefania, but I also knew you as Steph. It's hard for me to say it too. A lot of the times when I'm like on the phone with customer service, they will call me Beth. Beth. So, yeah, they'll the be hell? like Beth. I'm like, no, Steph. With an S. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, let's start with introducing your story, our story, actually, a little bit. I want our listeners to get to know you. This is my friend from elementary school in Mexico, specifically in Aguascalientes. So we met when we were both, what, fifth? No. Fourth grade. All right. So you came to Colegio Americano de Aguascalientes. <laughs> free ad, free ad in, in fourth grade. And we kind of became fast friends. I, I mean, that's how I remember it. I don't know if that's how you remember it. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, and plus it was a really small school. I think there was like 10 kids in our class. So you kind of had to be friends with everyone. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I think, well, you know what? I remember that things got like the classes got smaller as we got older. So in fourth grade, I feel like there were 20 of us and then only 12 of us graduated sixth grade. That is correct. The classes did continue to get smaller and smaller. <laughs> But that just made our education even better. At least that's how I feel. I feel like we got a lot of one-on-one -on -one attention. Yes, that school, like those four years or wait, four, five, six. So those three years, definitely one of the most pivotal times in my life, for sure. Yeah. It's funny because you would think that like fourth, fifth and sixth grade wouldn't make that much of an impact in your life. But in reality, those years were formative for me, at least. Like I have a lot of interesting stories and experiences from that time. Some trauma too. I don't know about you. Absolutely. I just want to say that fourth grade going into this school, I came from an all girls school, a Catholic school. I never so, knew that. Yep. So I came from Guadalupe Victoria, which was a Catholic school, all girls on the completely opposite end of town. And then I joined this like super liberal arts, half American, half Mexican boys and girls school. So yeah, that was fourth grade was huge for me. One of the things that I remember the most back then is that you always wore your hair in a braid and your hair is straight and mine is curly. And I was That was the one thing that I was always like, man, I wish my hair was like Steph's because <laughs> I could wear it all straight and beautiful. And you were the you were the cute girl. You were the pretty, like the cool girl. That's funny. I always thought I was a sporty girl that like nobody wanted to talk to except for my <laughs> one friend. <laughs> no, that's not true. I feel like the boys really liked you. And I was the annoying girly girl that was like, oh, hey, hey, pay attention to me. Pay attention to me. You know, it's so funny that you mentioned that because as I've grown older and I've kind of dove into my psyche and like you were talking about my traumas, one of my big things that I've had to work through is that whole not being a girly girl. And I definitely grew up 
more in awe of men and the way men live their life rather than how women live their life because we come from the Mexican culture and it's a very traditional culture at least in my family the women were always kind of subservient to the men because the men were like the strong ones the ones that made decisions the ones that went out and did and achieved and I always heard the women complaining like they don't come home on time like they're never here da 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 so I always grew up kind of just trying to hang out with the men and I have two brothers. So I, it was easy for me. My dad was really into sports and I went into sports from a really young age. So that's kind of how I became that person. And it really was out of like low self-esteem in a way that I went that way. That's so. funny. That That's funny because I always saw you as someone who was super confident and had high self-esteem, but that, you know, you're a kid. So you, you only see what's on the surface. It's not like we had super deep conversations about what we were thinking <laughs> at night alone in our rooms. Right. But I do remember you kind of being this like confident, cool girl. And all I ever wanted to do was just be more like you, which is so funny to me now, because it's like, you never really know what's going on in a kid's psyche. Yes. And the grass is always greener on the other side. You know, we are beautiful reflections of each other. And it's just funny and amazing to hear what everybody else's perspective is. And and you know what? I'm so glad you brought up the fact that you kind of idolize the male perspective or the male way of life in Mexico, because I really want to talk about in this episode about that amor de, tele, de telenovela, like amor de telenovela, you know, that whole like you got to love passionately. You got to have this relationship that's on fire all the time. And I don't know if you if you had the same kind of experience, but I remember just from watching telenovelas and even watching the relationships around us that adults had, there was a lot of like, the woman is the damsel in distress and the man is the one that has to come in and save her. And then not just that, but like there has to be some kind of strain constantly. There has to be this constant strain in the relationship for it to be hot and sexy because otherwise like that's just not a real relationship. And so you grow up thinking that if your relationship is stable, <laughs> if your relationship is not fiery and has all kinds of drama in it, then it's not a real relationship or maybe it's boring. You qualify it that way. Did you have that experience or like, would you say that that's how you saw love growing up? Well, it's interesting because the women in my family were very conservative. Um, so I was not allowed or encouraged in any way to watch telenovelas. Oh, neither was However, I, but I watched oh, okay. them. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know how you were to watch these. <laughs> So likewise, I definitely would like, you know, sometimes late at night, go mute the TV and watch like replays <laughs> of Mari Mar. And that was like my jam. I used to love that <laughs> one. She was a, yes, <laughs> she was a fucking mermaid. Like, of course, that was amazing. I'm pretty sure she wasn't an actual mermaid, but she kind of was painted like a mermaid in the intro. Right. Like it was really weird. Yeah, it was really weird. And so that definitely was like the first telenovela that I was really into. So I absolutely agree with you. I thought that love would be me looking up to this guy that I would kind of like never really be able to have because 
you do need that drama. You need that like, oh, do you really want this or not? You know, reflecting on that nowadays, it's just, Jesus, how toxic that is. Dude, how about the fact that like, I was taught that you had to play hard to get always. Did you, like, do you remember that? Was that something that you saw around you? Because that's what I saw around, like with my cousins and my, just like my experiences of watching other adults be in relationships. That's funny. I definitely had a little bit of that, but for me, it was more like, if you find somebody that wants to marry you, then you basically have to become like their slave, Oh, you know? Because again, like the women in my family were always in these like super subservient relationships. And I mean, that's what I observed. Nobody told me you have to do this right away. But as I got older and I started becoming like almost a teenager and stuff, I got handed these books called The Christian Wife, which basically say, yo, you are this dude's servant. And I was so upset reading those, but later in life, my mom died and these are her books that I got left with. So during my early twenties, when everybody's having fun and, you know, like sleeping with people and having fun, no one was doing that stuff. (laughs) Girl, I certainly was not doing that. I was just trying to become the most uh, not like person that I could be. (laughs) I'm playing. (laughs) Nowadays, it seems like everyone with a camera and a microphone is a content creator. Don't get me wrong. I love that the internet has allowed so many people to test their creativity. But when it comes to your message making an impact, wouldn't you rather partner with a seasoned producer? Because your brand is more than just a business. It's a story. So let me help you tell that story. This is Maribel, the host of Diferente. I'm a TV documentary and podcast producer who understands that your content should be working for your brand, not against your bottom line. If you're ready to produce videos or a podcast in English or in Espanol that builds trust and turns your audience into loyal customers, go to maribelqs.com forward slash ready to learn how you can level up your content. So, okay, wait, back up, because you're about to get into a subject that we really need to discuss, because you're talking about something that happened when you were in your early 20s and how other people were having fun and maybe or maybe not sleeping with other people (laughs) and and you were not. So you need to tell us why. Oh, so I wasn't doing that because my mom died when I was 17. And one of the things that I inherited from her were all of her religious memorabilia in her books. And a lot of these books where the whole Adam and Eve, like, hey, you were made out of this dude's rib. So therefore you kind of just owe your life to men. And again, it's not like my mom was alive and telling me to do this anymore. But for years, like I was just struggling so much with that loss and, you know, not having that relationship in my life that I thought like, well, I got these books. So fuck it. And you were also married at a really young age. So that probably made it, you know, even more difficult. Did you, do you think that you chose to be married at that young age because you felt like that was what your mom wanted you to do, or it was more so a personal decision? 
the reason I got married when I was 17 and a half was because that was when my mom was really sick and me and my dad always had a super turbulent relationship. I've always had a very rebellious soul. So that kind of didn't really help me at that point in time. But I really didn't want to live in my parents house anymore. And my parents literally said the only way you're leaving this house is married or dead. Mm hmm. That used to be the thing. Yep. So somebody was like, oh, well, if you want to leave your house, we could totally get married. I'm like, yep, let's go right now. I think I remember getting an, some kind of message from you or email where it was like, oh, yeah, I don't live in Mexico anymore. <laughs> I'm married. And I was like, what? But, you know, I was in high school. I think I was in senior year of high school. So I was like, uh, what? OK, that's weird. I don't know. I guess I'll have to deal with that later or figure it out. There was no Facebook, no Instagram, nothing for me to like verify or stalk you with. So <laughs> we kind of just like lost touch during that time. And I feel really bad about that because I really wish that we had been more in touch during that time, because I can only imagine that would have that was probably a very turbulent time for you. Oh, well, I appreciate the sentiment. And I think that in order like in order for me to be able to go through all of that i just kind of isolated myself because for me it was easier to just try to like i knew i didn't know what i wanted or who i was and i knew i was in the wrong space and i kind of just said okay like let me isolate myself and just kind of really dive deep into my head and my heart and try to figure it out Granted, it took me a long time and I know now that I didn't need to do it like that. But again, you know, I'm a very rebellious person and I always feel like I need to take the hard way out because again, I was brought up with hard work or bust. Oh, so you kind of felt like you had to do it on your own. And it's it's weird because for me, it felt like you were kind of purposely pushing me away like it was like yeah this happened but like don't worry about it like like I, you know what I mean it was like oh okay but don't you want to like come here and hang out like maybe I can come visit you and it, it was just kind of one of those things where I felt like you did not want to be bothered also I feel like that was a weird time too because well of course it was a weird time your mom had died and I it was like I didn't even know how to talk to you about it and so you know, when you're a teenager at the at that age, you're so self-centered. You're just trying to figure out what your own life is going to be. I kind of feel like that was just one of those things where like we both kind of had to go through our journeys. I, I wanted you to share that because I really feel like it has a lot to do with why we're talking about this. Like, this is what happens when you grow up watching relationships that are not necessarily healthy or learning about love in a way that's toxic or just thinking that you need somebody to to be whole or be complete or worse you don't even feel like you fit in in your own home like that's to me that's probably the hardest thing and probably the saddest part of the story is that you felt like you had to leave your own home so young yeah it's rough but i will also say that I feel like just from my experiences talking about it and just trying to figure stuff out, I found out that a lot of people, a lot of children feel like they don't fit in in their homes. And, you know, it, it is a little bit sad, but also at the same time, I see it so often that it kind of almost feel like it's natural in a way. No, but I love reading um, like spiritual books and stuff like that. 
And one of the things that I keep hearing is that souls come to this world and they pick the parents and the environment that they can express the lesson that they're here to learn through that experience. And what do you think was your lesson to be learned through that experience? One that I don't have to suffer period. And I don't have to suffer in silence because the biggest thing I've learned is I can do anything that I need to do and hold myself as I wish that I could have been held by my parents when I was younger. And that ability is and has always been here for me. The only thing I had to do was realize it and tap into it. And just having that, and this is kind of like a really trendy word right now, self-love, mm -hmm. but I think it's a huge lesson because when you learn that you can give yourself everything you need and be there for yourself in the way that you know you need somebody to be there for you, man, a world just turns into a much easier place to live in. When did you come to that realization? Last year. Yeah, last year when COVID came about, I realized, hey, this is kind of one of those big things that I'm going to have to work through. And I had the same thought when my mom died. I was just like, oh, shit, this is probably going to fuck me up a little bit. Like, I'm going to have to do some work on this, see a therapist, I don't know, something. And when COVID happened, I was like, okay, I've been working on my anxiety for the last couple of years, been going to therapy, like I feel super good, but now this happens. So how am I going to how am I going to handle this? So I just kind of took all the tools that I had learned. And instead of just being like, oh, yeah, maybe I'll meditate once a week or whatever. I just really started applying those habits on a daily basis and religiously. And little by little, it became a lot. And then next thing you know, I just felt so good. And it was crazy. And I even felt so guilty being around other people that were really struggling. But then that's when I knew like, all of this energy and time and effort that I've been putting into supporting myself and learning about myself, it's finally pay off. <laughs> <laughs> it took you a long time to get to that place of self-love. And you and I, that's the one thing that I feel is so interesting about our journeys. You and I have a similar but very different arrival. So we both kind of arrived at the same place of self-love in our 30s, but we took very different paths. You know, your path was losing your mom, getting married super young, having to leave your house and not having the support of your family and having to figure it out on your own. Mine was feeling like I never fit in, feeling like I had to reject my Mexican side so that I could fit in, feeling like I had to be somebody I wasn't, the cool girl, so to speak. And then we all, we both came in at this same point. Like the answer is love yourself. As cheesy as that freaking sounds, the answer is like and love yourself first. It's, just, it's cool, right? It's cool, but it's also kind of like, damn, that was simple. And it took us how long to figure that out? <laughs> I have a French word that I like to use for this. Self-love is the biggest mindfuck. <laughs> I think it'd be cool if we can share something with the audience, with the listeners, that they can take away on how to build that 
self-love journey or that growth journey? Like how, how can somebody take certain steps right now to get there? Personally, I believe that any journey starts with you. Whether you want to go on a business journey, whether you want to go on having a relationship journey, it all is going to start with you. So first step is know yourself. And that probably sounds funny and be like, well, of course I know myself, but do you really know yourself? And also I'll start with, hey, what do you know about yourself? And one method that I highly recommend for people to help themselves during this journey is journaling. It's such a cathartic thing and so easy to do. Grab a journal and just start with a question. Who am I? And try to just go and write uninhibited. Like, don't think like, oh, somebody's going to read this. Like, this is not for your audience. This is just That's for you. That's the key. Yeah. Yes. And be honest. Do not lie to yourself because it's so easy for us to be like, well, I have to sit here, but oh, yeah, it's just not going to bother me. And it's <laughs> like, um, you know, it's bothering you because otherwise, why are you thinking about it right now? And, you know, your brain is a great bullshit detector. <laughs> it knows like you're bullshitting. And when you get into a habit of bullshitting yourself, what you're teaching yourself is your word is not worth a damn. And that's a terrible habit that I know I absolutely had. And by getting to know yourself and just really doing this practice of journaling uninhibited, whatever comes, don't judge it, just let it pour out and see how that makes you feel afterwards. I do not recommend that you read through what you wrote. Probably the best thing to do <laughs> is grab it, tear it up, burn it, put it in the trash. But it just helps empty your vessel of all of that garbage that you've been carrying around for God knows how long. <laughs> so a funny thing about journaling, I have a weird relationship with journaling. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, I'm all about it. And other times I just don't want to. But for a while I was journaling back in, I don't even know what year this was, but it was, it was a few years ago, probably like five, six years ago, right after my brother-in-law passed away from cancer. That was a really turbulent time. Like it was just a weird, sad, difficult time for the whole family. And I was so angry. I was angry and I was hurt and I was feeling really weird. Like it was just a weird time. So I was journaling a lot. And I remember one time, I don't know why I felt the need because I was so like scared that someone would read my journal that I felt the need to tell my best friend, Katie, I was like, I sent her a message and I said, Hey, I just want to let you know, like, in case something happens to me, if something ever happens to me, I need you to go and get the journal that's in my nightstand <laughs> and burn it. <laughs> See, and that's what I'm talking about. Why do you think like, I honestly have had that thought, like if something happens to me, like, Oh my goodness, like they're going to find all these journals and they're going to think I was a total nutcase. <laughs> But, you know, that's the thing. I feel like that's where you really let go and where you can feel that you are 100% honest and uninhibited. And yeah, maybe you should throw it away or burn it once in a while, you know, <laughs> like start a new one every year or something. But I think that that's a really good point. Like your brain is a great bullshit detector. So 
a lot of people are out here lying to themselves. Like that's that's the thing. That's the fucked up part about life. Not only are we pretending to be something on social media or just to the world in general, a lot of the time we're pretending to ourselves. And I did that. I was pretending that I was okay with being, you know, so with suppressing certain parts of myself. I was pretending that I was okay with being in relationships that were not good for me or dating men that did not value me. I pretended like it was okay to not want to chase after my goals, my professional dreams and my milestones that I wanted to achieve. A lot of this is so true and it happens to everybody. And I feel like that's probably one of the most common ways that people are out here suffering without even knowing it's like they're lying to themselves. Mm-hmm. So one, what's another, like one more thing that people could implement right now to work on their self-love? Well, I have two. Okay. I know you just said one, no, but I'm going to say give two. It, give it to me. I'll take it all. <laughs> because they're both free. This one, I'll start with a really weird one. I learned this from a book called Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends On It by Kamal Rabakant. Great book. If you guys haven't read it, highly recommend it. He has this practice that he offers in the book where you look at yourself in the mirror and you look at yourself directly in your left eye because that is the eye of the soul or the least dominant eye, meaning that if you're looking to yourself in your right eye, you're connecting with the part of your brain that's like your mind. And when you're connecting with the other, um, the left eye, that's kind of like the more open side where creativity really, you know, resides. Wow. So you look at yourself in the left eye for like five minutes and just stare at yourself and say, I love you. I love you and whatever else comes through. The first time I did that, I was like, what the (laughs) fuck am I doing? I'm like totally crazy. I'm like, I'm just out of my mind. Like I'm desperate. I just really, you know, tore myself up. But by doing that over and over and over after a year, sometimes I even look up at the mirror. Like if I catch my reflection, sometimes I'll high five myself now. (laughs) It's the most ridiculous thing. But I don't know. I, it really, it really makes a difference, and it's free. Like it's so freaking free. Just do it. I like that. And, okay. Yeah. Okay. Give me the and other one. The other one is going to be meditation. One hundred percent. I know you're a huge advocate of meditation, and I love that you have shared your story about how you got into meditating and how important it was during one of the most pivotal moments in your life was becoming a mother and how having that practice access to it just really helped you get through one of the scariest moments of your life and i again meditation is free and the reason i think it's so important for everybody to try to develop this practice is because it is the most helpful practice i have found to be able to listen to what my mind is saying and detach myself from it because the mind is always freaking going and that's good you know we needed to live in this world but a lot of the times the thing that goes on in our mind is not super helpful and it's just making us more stressed or more miserable and it's just so good to be able to detach from it and be able to see it from like an outer perspective and say yes 
those thoughts are happening right now, but I know that regardless of anything that's going on, I am here, I'm in my body, I can breathe, and I am going to be okay. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I, I mean, meditation is definitely free. There are courses and things you can pay for. But by the way, I did an episode on how I started my journey into meditation and really good tips that I have picked up along the way to get started and get going. So check that episode out. And I have been a little remiss on my meditation practice lately. I have not been as consistent. And I got to tell you that I've noticed a dramatic shift in how my days are going because of that. So I, I mean, you know, it's like, we're all in this journey trying to get better and grow and, and become better people. And sometimes we fall off the wagon. Sometimes we don't, I don't even know if that's the right term to use, but you know what I mean? Like sometimes we're just not there, but the, I think the important thing is to remember that you can, you can get back on there. You can, you know, bring back the practice. You can do it because you've done it before. And I'm talking to myself right now, like, <laughs> remember that, right? Like, I can do this again. I did it before. I can do it again. I was doing it every day for a while. Um, and I have a confession. Like, I had a, I had a couple of little panic attacks in the last 24 hours. Um, partly, honestly, I almost didn't want to, like, have this conversation because I was, I just been feeling so weird. And I'm glad I did because it's like, I needed to have this conversation. It's a reminder of where I am and what I need to do for myself. And guess what? I haven't been meditating regularly. And that's, you know, one of the main things that I'm noticing is that my stress levels are getting back up there because of that. Yeah, girl, give yourself that freedom. I mean, in my work with creativity, I like to teach people that having a creative practice is also a very good way and another tool you can put in your tool belt of activities to give yourself the freedom to be you and to self-express because i really believe that the reason we're all here is to express ourselves and i don't mean we all have to have podcasts we don't all have to be book writers you know there are so many things that we can do cooking even just the way you talk to the barista at starbucks like that is part of self-expression and by being your best self and giving yourself a chance to communicate with somebody openly and lovingly like you are changing the motherfucking world <laughs> yeah you're right you're right there's something that you said in one of your episodes which because by the way you're you know letting our audience know that she's also a podcaster you're a podcaster and so one, something you said in one of your episodes that really stuck with me is that a lot of people will will say oh i'm not creative and uh that's not the case like i feel like you were saying like everybody has the creativity side to them everybody has that in them it's just a matter of how they can explore it or her, or how they share it and i thought that was really cool Actually, I, I, you know, to wrap up, I want to tell the audience where they can find you and the name of your podcast. Yeah, of course. And thank you so much for listening to my podcast. And I'm so happy that you got something out of it. Podcast is called Mindfully Curious. It's available on all the big platforms. And you can find me on all the social medias, Facebook, Instagram. I love Clubhouse. So if you guys are on Clubhouse, definitely hit me up. Um, I'm at Rabbit Legion. That's my artist company name, or you can look me up, Steph FRX. All right. Uh, the name of the podcast is Mindfully Curious. The name comes from being mindful because, uh, of course, I'm a big advocate of 
meditation and just mindfulness overall curious because that is something that I have been so curious and something that you and I have in common is our curiosity and literally has been the biggest driver for my life. So I love having uh, guests on there to talk about their human journeys because that is what I am most curious about is how everybody creates their own human experience. So I love talking to the guests about who they are and how they got to be who they are today. What's the one thing that you have learned now that you would tell yourself 15 years ago? You got this baby girl. <laughs> Don't ever doubt yourself because you got this. And when they tell you no pain, no gain, that's complete BS. It is all gain and you can have all of that gain with 100% no pain. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me and thank you for creating space for these conversations to be had, Maribel. You are doing the Lord's work. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Diferente. If you like this episode, share it with your friends. Tell everybody about it. Make sure you let me know also in the reviews or on social media at Maribel underscore QS what you thought about the episode and what other topics you want to explore on Diferente. Until next time, keep living courageously through your growth journey. Hasta pronto.